Hello and welcome to this week's Hong Kong Heritage, where arts historian Oliver Chow tells me about the life of Thomas Lee, who, with his wife Betty, set up Tom Lee Music. Thomas Lee died earlier this year at the age of 101. He came here with Betty from Shanghai in 1945. They were married for 75 years, and next year will mark 70 years of a music shop and business that became 17 branches at its height and is very much a part of Hong Kong with its Yamaha instruments and music competitions. The couple would travel to Yamaha in Japan in 1962 to look at how the pianos were made and Yamaha instruments became a fundamental part of their business. Well, yes, Mr. Thomas Lee and of course his wife Betty Lee the couple made Tom Lee Company the way it is now. So it's a family business, but it all started with uh, the couple who came to Hong Kong in the 1940s from Shanghai. So their success story actually is basically what the success story of Hong Kong as well. Indeed. And, uh, you know, we'll be talking about today the string of music shops that he set up throughout Hong Kong and his deal with Yamaha and, and the music education that it led on to. But can we go back to the start? Who was Thomas Lee? Where is he born? Mr. Thomas Lee was born in 1920 in uh, Jia uh, which is now a part of uh, Shanghai. And uh, his wife, Betty, she was uh, eight years younger, born in 1928. And the couple met and they got married in 1945. And uh, shortly after they married, Mr. Lee decided to uh, seek for a better future by coming down to Hong Kong. And uh, after he settled down in uh, around four years after that, his wife and family came to Hong Kong to, to meet him. And since then, Hong Kong has been their home. And uh, was, he in, I mean, was he involved in the music business? Oh, not at all. When they came, Mr. Lee was very talented in languages. He spoke fluent English, among other languages, almost uh, any language except Cantonese. And he became an English secretary at a textile company. That's how he started his business in Hong Kong. And it was during his textile work that uh, his friend invited him to do a business in music. So he became a silent partner because his friend would take care of uh, most of the music work, the piano work, basically. It was later that his friend decided to give up, but uh, not Mr. Lee, because he wanted to recover his reinvestment. <laughs> so he uh, continued with uh, the, the piano business uh, with his wife, Betty. So daytime, Mr. Lee would be working at the textile industry. At nighttime, he would uh, go from door to door to sell the pianos. And uh, the, the pianos actually were made in Hong Kong. And the final finish was made in Hong Kong. And uh, he would uh, import all the important parts from England and other countries so that uh, he and his wife and the production team would put the, the pianos together. And what, they sold the it in Hong Kong. Well, what sort of pianos are we talking? If he's going door to door, I mean, is it electric or you mean earlier? What sort no, of... not electric. It's, it's the regular upright piano. And as a matter of fact, it was Mrs. Lee, Betty, who would go to the timber warehouse to look for solid wood for the piano. Because oh, her so husband, really... Thomas, had to work daytime in the textile industry. Yes. 
So, uh, so they're actually making pianos really right from the, you know, with the wood, and then, as you say, the parts coming in from the UK. Yeah, well, they assembled the piano yeah. here and yeah. and sold it here. The first piano, the brand name was called Konkun, C-O-N-C-O-N-E. That was the first brand that they produced. And I was uh, talking to their son, Frank, last night. Frank is now in charge of the Tom Lee Corporation. Frank told me, you know, a few years ago when Ningbo in, in Zhejiang province, uh, they completed, they launched a museum. They called him up and asked if uh, they could uh, donate anything to the museum in Ningbo because Mrs. Lee was a Ningbo native. And uh, Frank told me that uh, they decided to uh, donate the only Kong Kun piano that they still had to the museum in Ningpo. So if one wants to take a look at uh, what they produced in the 1950s, go to Ningpo Museum because there's one right there. Oh, I'm glad that one has been saved, definitely, because I was about to ask you that if uh, any of them still exist. So these were these uh, early pianos, as you say, created by Thomas Lee and his wife, Betty. So Thomas Lee was hard at work, really, gosh, you know, working textiles during the day and then selling pianos in the evening. So this is how they start off. Was he a musician himself? What was his interest in music? Not at all. I asked the same question to Frank, and uh, the answer is uh, the couples actually were not musicians by training. And uh, although Mr. Lee uh, later on became a versatile Cantonese opera singer, but that's only after she came to Hong Kong. The couple, after they had put together some business, a major decision was made in 1953 when they decided to purchase their own property in Chim Sa Choi, and that is um, the Tom Lee store that we know of now, it's still there. And they bought that property, and I think that is a very important decision, because since then they would not have to worry about rent and all that, they have their own base, and that's where the couple, the hard-working couple, you know, build their business on. I think that's a real Hong Kong story in the sense that, uh, you know, the businesses that survive tend to be the ones that, that have actually bought their premises and, and uh, no longer had to struggle with the vagaries of uh, rent rises. So they begin, as you say, with that premises. And then after that, when, when does Tom Lee Music come about? Well, at first, the, their business registered name was Tom Lee Piano Company. So they mostly, you know, um, dealt with uh, piano business. As I mentioned before, they were assembling their own pianos and so it in Hong Kong. Well, the thing is, piano among all the instruments was or still is a, a major, may I use the word commodity uh, in, in Hong Kong, because everything had to do with the piano. Aside from, you know, uh, the instrument itself, it's also a major instrument for chorus singing and many others. As a matter of fact, piano students constituted the, the largest amount of music students in Hong Kong, even up to now. So I think the the couple sense that very well. In And in the 50s, the Hong Kong school music festivals were really up and coming. There were a lot of students competing in that festival and piano being a, a major item in the competition. So the market is always there. But the interesting thing is Tom Lee expanded itself gradually. They have their own rivals in the industry. We know Zhang Fuk had been there for a long time. Yeah. And then also Maudry was also there. 
among many other uh, long-standing music companies in in town. They were, in fact, a newcomer, but they expanded gradually. I have a newspaper clip here that in 1956, that is three years after they founded the piano company, they already distributed uh, German violins, guitars, and even uh, Italian accordions. So they were slowly expanding their business to to other music items. And then they also uh, slowly opened up other branches. A major one is in Central, Man Yi Building, not the one now, the, the old Man Yi Building in 1960. And that is their Hong Kong branch, the first Hong Kong uh, on, on the island. The importance of that location is that it's Central you know, business area. And Manny Building also happened to have a lot of music-related businesses in those days, one being the Ruby Restaurant. The Ruby Restaurant had a uh, interesting legacy of hosting many music concerts through playing records and, um, you know, it was a, a focus of many music lovers. What sort of restaurant was the Ruby Restaurant? Well, it's a regular restaurant, except that every Tuesday and Saturday they had their record concerts in the evening. And uh, most of, if not all, of the Hong Kong music lovers would go there and, and, and listen to the latest records, mm -hmm. EMI, Deutsche Gramophone, you name it. And Tom Lee was right next to the restaurant. So it's a very strategic decision that they put themselves in there. And then from then on, they open branches up to, you know, in 1965, they already had five Tom Lee stores in Hong Kong. Well, the importance of having so many branches is that there are, in those days, we had no Arctic where you, you, you go and uh, uh, get tickets. Mm -hmm. You go to the Tom Lee stores to get uh, concert tickets. So I think that is a very important uh, strategy of, of the store to be the distributor, not only music instruments, but also music events. Yeah, interesting. So Tom Lee gradually expanding. So you've got five stores there, as you're describing, by 1965. But there are those uh, competitors out there as well. Now, Thomas Lee died this year at the age of 101. You were, were uh, able to attend his funeral. But in terms of the type of person he was when you met him, can, can you tell me about his character? I met him in 2004, I think. He was already quite elderly, but very, very kind person, he and his wife. And uh, I met them at a dinner party hosted by the Allegro singers and the um, famous soprano, Miss Barbara Fay. Because they are all from Shanghai, so they had that interesting common interest. And it, as a matter of fact, you know, after 1949, Many Shanghainese who came to Hong Kong, they play their role in various cultural aspects. For example, Miss Fei was in the choral music and Mr. and Mrs. Lee would be the music supplier. So they all play their different roles, but somehow they got together to promote the culture they believe in. As a matter of fact, it is quite a pity that I wasn't able to get Mr. Lee to uh, take part in my oral history project because he was already quite elderly in 2016 when I approached him. But I could only tell from my association with his family members, for example, frankly, as I mentioned, they also had the same kind of willingness to help out, you know. For example, the Tom Lee store in Chim Sa Choi, it 
it's not just a you know store to sell instruments. It is also a store for visiting musicians to practice their piano. I know of a very famous pianist, Mr. Fu Tung, who came to Hong Kong, and every time he needed a piano to practice on, he would go to Tom Lee, and their doors was always open <laughs> to musicians like that. I, I think that is very generous of Tom Lee, but at the same time, it became a, a landmark in itself. You know, when you think of quality music and environment, you go there and you, you can have all kinds of facilities there. And uh, as late as two years ago, when I had a request to interview conductor Mr. Liu Kuokman, when he won some big prizes and I need to do an article on him. And uh, I went to Tom Lee and they said, come on all over. You can ha have all the pianos you want to take pictures on. And I'm very grateful for that. And from that, I could see Mr. Thomas Lee actually had the same kind of personality and generosity. And it could go back all the way to the 60s when he opened the door to all the uh, teachers and students who took part in the school festival every year. And in fact, 1967 onwards, Mr. Lee offered discount on all the uh, scorebooks and instruments for anyone who took part in the uh, school festival. And I think that is a very important uh, strategy and offer because you need to keep in mind for students in 1967 to be associated with Tom Lee, 20 years later, when they became successful, this or that, in the 80s, they would think of Tom Lee. And that's exactly what happened in the 1980s and 90s, when Tom Lee uh, expanded so much that at the height of their business, there were 17 branches in Hong Kong, and then one in Macau, and then there were six in Vancouver, All uh, right. Canada. Mm -hmm. And, and many other places. They, they really expanded their, their business under Tom Lee. Now, Betty, his wife, they, they make a trip, they, they, they go on a trip to Japan, and that, that was quite a signature moment as well, wasn't it? Yes, you're talking about 1962, when the couple went to Yamaha, and they were there for two weeks, and in fact, they filmed the entire piano manufacturing process. And then they brought that film back to Hong Kong, and then they held a large press event by inviting the, the government education bureau and university professors, orchestra conductors, you name it. More than 100 individuals, they went to that press event and they watched that film. And that's how Yamaha landed in Hong Kong. And in the same year, 1962, they arranged a large grand piano, 9 foot 3 piano, uh, Yamaha, to be performed 
at the new city hall. We are talking about 60 years of city hall this year. That was the year they featured that grand piano at a beauty pageant held at the Hong Kong City Hall. So Yamaha began to be a household name, especially after 1967, as I mentioned earlier, when Thomas Lee offered discount on instruments, including Yamaha. And then a big thing happened in 1970 when Yamaha competition was held in Hong Kong. It had been a long competition in Japan, but in 1970, Thomas Lee decided to have a Yamaha Hong Kong competition. And the winners would go to Japan to join that main event. And he, you know, got together a very high power jury. There was Doming Lam, the famous composer who was uh, on the jury. And uh, there were six winners from the first competition. Can you describe the competition to me? Was it, was it everybody on pianos? And did you have to play a Yamaha instrument to be part of the Yamaha competition? Yes, exactly. That's called the Yamaha keyboard competition. Ah. And um, it was actually like a talent show because before that, Hong Kong did not have any kind of competition like that. So from 1970 onwards, uh, every year they had a jury and then they had competitors, contestants to join in. And in, an interesting criteria is that you have to be non-professional in order to, to, to take part. And was it classical um, music or boogie-woogie? Any kind of music. You just play on a Yamaha keyboard. And then the winners would go to Japan to compete, uh, you know. And uh, the, the 1971 competition produced six winners. One of them is Lam Man Yi, which is now one of the top composers in, in Hong Kong. Mm. And uh, so it really provided a platform for young musicians to show their talent as early as 1970. Yamaha! 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 Yeah, I think Thomas Lee and uh, and his wife Betty would probably have been instrumental in ensuring that uh, children here had affordable access to musical instruments for their homes and, and uh, bringing music into them. I mean, I don't know, back in the 60s, how much would music have been part of the school curriculum? Well, it was quite a big one. As a matter of fact, in 1967, Thomas Lee decided to uh, open up his studio for the Royal Academies of Music to have to, to hold the exams there and i have a figure here for you in that year there were 4395 students taking part in the royal schools of music and thomas lee invested forty thousand dollars which is a lot of money in those days to refurbish uh, the three studios in his chim sa a store so that the exam could be held there and since then, the Royal Schools of Music exam are associated closely with Tom Lee music. And I think that is a very important contribution because um, the Royal Schools of uh, Music was a major thing and uh, for, for students not only to get a qualification, but also for parents to be aspired to have their children to, to train in music. It, it, it all started in the, in the 60s 
with uh, of course it's good for his business too because uh, when you play you know uh, music you have to buy score books and pianos and and things like that and they also offer prizes for the winners I think that is a very smart move and in 1968 they offered electric amplifiers and guitars for uh, the jazz category in the school competition I think that is very important because uh, in the 80s, when Hong Kong Coliseum was launched, there were a lot of pop conscious in there. You always see Tom Lee there All right. providing the instruments. I, and I think it had a lot to do with the kind of uh, support they provided for the young students in the 60s. Yes, indeed. Um, no, interesting couple. And, and also, I mean, Thomas Lee, he passed away earlier this year, but even that was quite quiet. It, it seems um, from what you've described that he was a, a, a very unassuming man, a very a very modest man about his achievements in Hong Kong. Yes, indeed. Well, um, when I was at the funeral service, Henry Lee, one of his sons, made some very moving remarks about his father. And uh, one that really moved me quite a lot because my father was like that too. And that is um, his father, Mr. Thomas Lee, believed in the golden mean, middle of the road. Never be too happy or too sad and always count your blessings, you know, and also don't hate your enemies, embrace them, love them. And that, that sort of remarks. And I, I, I was quite moved because you can tell from the family members the kind of upbringing that they had gone through and the kind of uh, success that they had behind. Those are the very subtle qualities behind a successful business. Now, he came here after the war to Hong Kong. So what can you tell me about his early life? Do you know it all in Shanghai? I mean, that must have been quite difficult during the 1930s. Oh, yeah. Well, we all know Shanghai went through the war, 1937, when mm. Japan attacked Shanghai, and uh, it was not a pleasant place to be. Unfortunately, I don't have the uh, details about his early life there. It must have been not that pleasant, otherwise he would not have made his move to Hong Kong yeah. shortly after the war in 1945. Yes, yes. That's the year they got married, and they had been married for 75 years. Wow. And that's that's quite amazing. When um, Betty passed away in 2019, in fact, that was a wish of Mrs. Lee. Um, that is another very moving part of their relationship. From the funeral service brochure, there's a line there that moved me a lot. It says, he, Thomas Lee, was determined to live longer than our mother always concerned that she would be left without his protection. Mm. So um, that was quite true because uh, Mrs. Lee passed away 2019 and Mr. Lee passed away 2022. Indeed, but I mean, it was interesting, you know, when I was looking at Thomas Lee after you'd, you'd told me about him and, and um, there's not that much written on him, which I think is indicative of the fact that he wasn't out there for self-promotion. Well, as I said, he is a very modest person mm. and always work and in service of the uh, society. I read the reference about in 1969, just two years after the uh, 67 riots, uh, Hong Kong government decided to launch a major community campaign called Hong Kong Festival. It's a territory-wide event and Thomas Lee provided all the sound facilities for the event. So I think that is a very important 
move that he did to make himself known that he is supporting all the uh, government move in order to secure a happy and music-filled uh, society. And he kept on doing that because uh, in the second Hong Kong festival two years later, he did the same thing. And he held uh, various uh, pop concerts and all the instruments came from him. I don't know whether you heard about a famous uh, pop singer, Anders Nelson. <laughs> I might have done. <laughs> well, he was one of the uh, pop singers that ah. uh, play on the Tom Lee instruments ah. in the Boundary Street Stadium. That was one event there. Anders Nelson, of course, starts off at KG5 with his first band, or I think he'd already had about three by then. So uh, Hong Kong, Swedish man who, who came here at the age of four. Anders Nelson, of course, a, a well-known singer and Hong Kong personality. So he started off on, on uh, Yamaha instruments or on Tom Lee instruments. It was the second Hong Kong festival that uh, Thomas Lee, you know, uh, provided all the instruments and uh, Anders Nelson was at one of the events at Boundary Street <laughs> Stadium playing on, the, you know, all kinds of uh, pop music uh, yes. with uh, the Tom Lee instruments. You know, sometimes when I see children these days, I mean, it, it's quite, well, impressive on the one hand, but I think a lot of pressure on the other that, that children here. I mean, when I grew up, I, I learned the trumpet, but, you know, and was in bands and orchestras, this sort of thing. But I, I, there, there wasn't the pressure that, that sometimes exists here to learn about three instruments sometimes you know the piano might be just the the starting point but i i like what you're telling me about thomas lee it seems that there was a a joy of music there the fact that he wasn't a, he wasn't classist in the sense that he's not not classist what's the word <laughs> he wasn't a, a snob in terms of it all has to be classical music it sounds as if he enjoyed a bit of pop and everything else as well well he al he always has a way to come up with a win-win solution to bring music to the young kids mm. and also to bring business to himself. Yes. For example, he, aside from the Yamaha thing, he also introduced Yamaha guitar course where you set through the uh, training course, you would be given a certificate. And that that's something he did in the 70s. And then from time to time, he would open up his uh, Chimsa Chui store for free concerts and for youngsters to come and enjoy some uh, free band playing. It's right there. So as I said earlier, the 1953 property that he mm -hmm. and Betty purchased really served a lot of purpose. It's even now, you know, and it's still going on. Has he been recognized by the government for his work? I think so. I think he was uh, one uh, a recipient of some Bohemian medals or something. The interesting thing is uh, next year will mark Tom Lee store the 70th anniversary. So I hope there will be some event and some recognition that would be um, given to this wonderful uh, store that uh, had provided so much music to, to all of us. 70 years. I mean, yes, it has definitely been part of, uh, the, the, well, very much our cityscape. I mean, uh, the amount of times I've gone for, to Tom Lee Music for all sorts of things, including radio equipment, actually. So it's, it's you're there on the street corner. And uh, as you say, with school children and these competitions, it's it's been part of society over the past decade. So yes, I hope they do celebrate and commemorate in some way. Betty and Thomas Lee are no longer with us, but um, Tom Lee Music is being taken forward by the children. Yes, that's correct. And also many generations of uh, young students, I think uh, since 1950s, they grew up along with Tom Lee. And uh, so he, they are really 
a very important part of the collective memory uh, for all of us here in Hong Kong. Do you play an instrument? Yeah, I play the guitar. Is it a Tom Lee guitar? I bought it there. It's a Yamaha <laughs> guitar. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you enjoy playing, Oliver? Well, I enjoy playing all kinds of music. I, I you know, uh, transcribe some of the music for myself. Um, but uh, Yamaha is indeed um, a, a brand name. Um, in fact, I still remember my first monthly salary was spent on that guitar, the whole thing, you know. <laughs> As I mentioned, I'm only one of the many who grew up with uh, that kind of music culture. So I I'm glad you bring that out because I need to make a dis disclaimer here as well. After all these uh, remarks on uh, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Thomas Lee, I too, you know, am a uh, beneficiary <laughs> <laughs> of their music uh, offer in Hong Kong. My thanks to Hong Kong arts historian Oliver Chow, talking there on the life and legacy of Thomas Lee, who with his wife Betty founded Tom Lee Music. Thomas Lee died earlier this year at the age of 101. Thanks for listening and join me next week on Hong Kong Heritage. <laughs>